What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. And don't keep potato chips or tortilla chips anywhere around your house. This is a public service announcement because if you buy them, they are you can't stop eating them. That is what is happening with me right now. I'm recording this and I can't stop eating chips. I love a good potato chip. I love a good tortilla chip. I am here today eating chips, but also excited to share a conversation with you, with my man, Jameson, at Exquisite Sports Collectibles on IG. Jameson has been on the show, but it's WrestleMania season. Wanted to hit that with him, talk a little bit about wrestling cards. He's opening up a new shop. He sells a lot of cards at auction, so we get into the auctions of it all. Um, But I think he's just got a really nice process, and I learn a lot from him, so hopefully you do too. If you like what I'm doing over here, follow, subscribe, hit all the buttons, but most importantly, tell a damn friend that you're enjoying the Stacking Slabs podcast. Without further ado, let's kick into the conversation. What's going on, everybody? Um, Excited to chat here today. It's obviously, uh, if you've been following the socials and everything else, it's WrestleMania week. And as a wrestling degenerate, I'm very excited about that. Um, so I figured what better way to celebrate than another fellow, bring another fellow wrestling degenerate on the program to talk a little wrestling. We're not just going to talk about wrestling. So don't just get scared and run away. If you think that's what it's all about, we will be covering it, but we're going to get into some auctions and some other things that are happening. Uh, but without further ado, we've got a two-time, two-time, two-time guest, Jameson Exquisite Sports Collectibles on Instagram. Jameson, welcome back, man. Happy WrestleMania week. How are you? What's going on, man? Happy to be here. Exciting times, both in the card world and in the wrestling world. So happy to talk to you this week. Yes. Um, so we spent some time, a little peek behind the curtain to everyone. We were booking the territory before we hit record here, and I'm not sure... We'll re- cover it all, but I let me just throw this one at you. Looking at WrestleMania LA two nights this weekend, what's on your mind? Like, what are you looking forward to the most going into these uh, next two nights of wrestling? I think just the uh, the unknown. I think as we were talking earlier, uh, there's so many angles that they could go with so many of these matches. And it's really, you know, WrestleMania kind of puts the end of the chapter over the last kind of year of programming and then you know the role after kind of starts the new story so it's really going to be interesting how some of these characters kind of pivot out of wrestlemania uh is roman going to retain is cody going to go over is roman going to go away for a while kind of uh learn a new hold as they would say um you know what's going to be the dynamic with the bloodline coming out um i think we'll see some new champs you know is this going to be the the era of rhea kind of taking over from charlotte kind of a kind of passing of the torch type moment um i think we talked earlier i think that triple threat ic match is going to be uh, a show stealer and i think just the athleticism and the move sets you're going to probably get out of seth rollins and logan paul i think those would be my two like just not necessarily storyline matches but just action in the ring from the hard hitting kind of stiffness of the IC bout with just three hosses in there. And then you're just going to get just some great spectacular athleticism. I mean, Logan Paul's just a natural. You love to hate him. Uh, everyone loves Seth. So that's just going to be a great kind of battle of good and evil. Uh, and then you have the, I think the storytelling really wraps up in two matches, Cody Roman, KO Sammy Usos. 
I think that's where everyone's emotional investment for the weekends will be. Let's maybe spend a second on Logan Paul here because I think it's interesting and I have not done enough of talking about this, but like, if you think about Logan Paul as like a figure, it's interesting because he obviously has prominence within the hobby and everything Pokemon related. He, if you mention Logan Paul to anyone listening to this podcast, they probably know him at least for that. And now like our other escape that we like to, to spend our time on is professional wrestling. And now he's obviously on the grandest stage of them all against one of the best professional wrestlers in the world. I, when he entered the hemisphere or WWE universe, if you will, I think my mindset was like, Oh no, not one of these again. And I think it was kind of like trying to find his footing. But then when he had that match against Roman Reigns in Saudi Arabia, I I mean, I was like, Holy shit. Like I was sold. And then I think you've seen some great heel work from him on the buildup to the Seth Rollins promo. So our program. So he, you love to hate him. As you said, this guy, this guy feels like he was built for professional wrestling. What say you? Yeah. I mean, first of all, he's a natural heel. You shouldn't, he should never be a baby face. I mean, you know, it seemed like they were trying to maybe have that for a while with the match with Roman, I think against the Miz, but he's just not a, he's not a face, you know, he is a heel. I think he's in his natural, his natural uh, zone as a, as a heel. And the guy's an incredible athlete. I mean, I think, you know, we've been impressed with guys like Bad Bunny coming in, who did, I think, way over people's expectations. Uh, obviously, Pat McAfee, awesome on the mic, great in the ring, uh, you know, doing moves that we weren't expecting, Canadian Destroyers, and I think uh, uh, Shooting Star Presses and stuff. But I mean, Logan Paul is probably the best athlete out of the three of them. Um, and the guy just gets it. He's just, he prints money. Uh, he's a lightning rod and he makes people talk about the product. And that's what you want, whether good or bad. You know, people are talking about the product. People are talking about him. And uh, I think he's great. I hope he sticks around. I think there's a lot of good ways they can go with him. And I think he's a good enough natural out- athlete, at least at this point in his career where he can kind of pop in and out and still be, still get over um, and still make people love to hate him and make you want to watch your favorite uh, WWE superstar uh, beat the crap out of him. So. I absolutely agree. And I'm going to ask you, maybe start thinking about it as we get through this at the end of the episode, I'm going to ask you for a couple predictions or maybe the prediction. So uh, that'll come at the end, but maybe let's get into like wrestling cards. And it's yeah. wild to me when I, Pulled open my phone from a meeting yesterday and I see, you know, Twitter and uh, Instagram post like crazy about, you know, new prism coming out. And I'm like, I can't right. believe we're already here. We're, we're already here. New prism. <laughs> and we've seen what happened like the last year with Panini and the WWE license. Right. Uh, my observations are whenever a new product comes out, wrestling card collectors run to new product and go nuts and try to rip it and get, who they want in their hits. But I would say like, I think everyone looks at what happened last year with prism, the run up and then the fall. And like, if you're not in wrestling cards, you're probably like say, all right, wrestling cards. Like, yeah, that was a fad. No one's paying attention to that anymore. But like for people who are buying, selling, trading wrestling cards, I would say it's been a pretty successful first year uh, with Panini. And I say that because of the consistency of high dollar cards being sold on a regular basis. And that wasn't normal with the wrestling cards 
from my observations over the last two to three years. So like, I don't know, like wrestling card market, like how do you feel? What's the health in your opinion? Like what are some things you're seeing? Like what's going on? I mean, I think from a stability standpoint, I actually feel like it's one of the uh, safest places right now. You know, just like anything, you know, there's a lot of hoopla and speculation around Panini coming in. First big product, Panini Prism. I mean, obviously we know the rise and fall, um, you know, but what I feel happened during that time, too much focus was on price, not enough focus on the cards. The people, you know, and the people that came and went are people that probably never should have been in the space in the first place. Not that we don't want new collectors to come in, but the intent behind why they were buying the products was, was not there. You know, it was like, oh, well, this is a Prism Gold. Prism Gold does well in every sport. I'm going to buy this and flip it. And people were having fun joining the breaks because they were cool cards. But a lot of people were breaking without intent of keeping any of the cards. They were just breaking to break. And so then you had the saturation of the market, everything kind of, and there wasn't enough buyers to support how much was actually getting broken. So then you had the fallen knife syndrome. So now the knife is falling and no one wants to step in front with their hand out and catch the knife. Um, so I think once we kind of progress through that initial wave, I think, and I think revolution kind of felt a little bit of that because Panini was, you know, let's, get, let's call it what it was, blowout and everybody saw how much they were selling that for. But, oh, great, we'll throw revolution out at $300 a box when it was a $50 product all along in reality. So you got a little bit of rollover from that, but I feel like once kind of select came out and it came out at a reasonable price point, I feel like it really kind of steadied the seas for the wrestling card market. And when I take a look at Select, Chronicles, uh, Immaculate, those were all great products that really didn't, they didn't really go down, but they really didn't go up from their initial price. Maybe a little fluctuation, $10 here, $20 there on a box, but really some of the singles sold amazing, especially the rare stuff. There was some first time kind of uh, things they put in, the WWE logos on the patch cards, the, uh, some of the crazy patch designs. Um, some of like, I know one of the sets you kind of went after the Panini one with that canvas type feel, you know, with awesome photography on it, just like images we hadn't seen on cards before. Um, and then closing it out with like immaculate with like some of the really awesome on card kind of dual triple quad autos, the jumbo, just a lot of stuff we hadn't seen that I thought kind of, uh, kind of matured the wrestling card market a bit. So I thought it was a great first year, you know, I mean, and, and especially if you strip out and I still Prism's still a great product. It was just, it wasn't priced correctly when it came out, but um, you know, we just had a, I did a podcast with Adam uh, and a couple other guys, Ryan, Kevin from New York Roadshow, And we talked about a lot of the sets from last year and Prism was still great. I mean, Prism golds are still cool. Prism blacks are still cool. That, uh, that auto set was awesome uh, with the duels. There were some awesome, um, auto sets. One of my set of the years was the champion signatures. I thought those mm. were beautiful cards, even though they're sticker autos, the images were awesome. Nothing better than Hogan or Roman or Seth or somebody sitting there holding their belt with the cool pose. So, um, I mean, I thought it was a great year for Panini. Just in, in looking back at year one, which is it again, I'll say it's crazy that we're, we're here with yeah. the new prism coming out. What, what stands yeah. out to you in terms of like, maybe sets, uh, inserts, parallel, specific cards. It, like when you look back on that year, like what will come to your mind as being like the crowning achievement or the thing that excites you most about 
Panini in the direction they're going with the WWE license? Um, again, I think it's just kind of a little bit of the innovation on just some of the sets that Tops never really produced. Uh, I don't think Tops made any multi-signed on-card autos outside mm. of that one kind of oversized four horsewomen card, um, which is a cool card, but not everybody likes oversized cards. You know, people like to have their box. They like to be able to store their cards. So that was real cool. Um, like I said, I think with the relics, you know, with tops, we were getting a lot of chairs and mats and all that stuff, pretty plain kind of Jane stuff. I really love the, cause you know, one of the things I love from other sports is like logo men and stuff like that. So those WWE logo cards that they put in select and, um, they also put them in immaculate. Um, you know, I love those cards. And I just like some of the introductions, even like Chronicles, I thought was a super cool set because it infused, you know, maybe uh, WWE doesn't have the market yet to support Noir on its own, Chronicle, um, National Treasures on its own, Panini One on its own, but getting to infuse that all into the sets and getting some really cool parallels, one-on-ones and stuff with some really cool photography um, was that. And then I liked Impeccable a lot too. There were some mm. really great cards that came out of the Impeccable design. Those are give you the canvas feel, little holographic. And then, you know, it's really cool seeing like the variation of the print runs based on when they won their title, how many times they won their title, yada, yada, yada. There was just some real cool stuff they were able to fuse in from other sports that I don't think the wrestling card markets ever really experienced. Yeah, I'm at, I love the call outs and I'm excited to see um, continued growth. And I don't mean like, let's have prism come out and let's see the prices shoot up and fall back down again. But I just see it steady growth, growth of interest of collectors, more people coming in more conversations. Um, Yeah. It's, it seems like there's more chatter than ever around wrestling cards. And that maybe wasn't the case three years ago, or at least my feeds are curating that for me. Um, So I think that's a really good thing just for the health of where we're going with wrestling cards. I do just uh, touch on one thing I do, you know, it'll be interesting now as we kind of progress, because, you know, um, even with wrestling cards, there's that whole dynamic of, of the rookie card, right? Mm. And so I do wonder if when we look back, maybe not now, it may take years to mature, we take a look back at this 2022 Prism product or this whole line, because the rookie class will be much smaller as we move forward, right? But you're going to have this, and, you know, what are guys like Braun Breaker, Grayson Waller, Carmelo Hayes? Uh, you know, what are those NXT people going to be in 10 years? Are those going to be the Charlotte's, the Romans, the Seth 10 years from now? And is there going to be a lot of those like rookies sitting in boxes? And so could there be some value there one day that just, you know, just hold tight, get on those cards, Solo Sokoa, you know, all those guys, all those guys and girls are in those products, uh, the toxic attraction girls, you know, so um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, as the market matures, as the wrestling card market matures, what happens with the WWE It seems to be trending in the right place from a global perspective, fanatics coming in, does that enhance it later? Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens to these cars as we come through the next few years. Yeah. It's funny. You alluded to it a little bit, but yeah, I had been on this, uh, I've been on this Panini one chase of get, trying to build out the gold set. And so like when you're built, trying to buy a set, like you, you're tr- associating different price points with each card and each person on the card and what you speculate. And I remember like when I was buying these cards when they would become available, because they're not always readily available, is when the Tiffany Stratton right. hit. <laughs> I looked at the I looked at the price of the Tiffany Stratton and I was like, man, like this girl, I've seen 
10 times on TV. Uh, she's got the look. She's got athleticism. But am I really yeah. going to be paying more for Tiffany Stratton than I would be maybe like the Roman Reigns or Rey Mysterio or something? Right. And I, I did, though. But but like the fun part about that is, to your point about the rookies, now I've never associated on screen like day of with cards in my collection. But now if I'm watching NXT and Tiffany Stratton has a promo, I'm more invested in watching her progress right. because I've got a little, uh, I've got some, some cards of her. So I, that is a fun element. I've never really considered it up until kind of this year with Panini. Yeah. Yeah. She, and she does seem like she's getting a push right now. I mean, <laughs> so we'll see. She does. I mean, she definitely has a, a main roster feel to her, you know, like something the WWE would want. So. Totally. I want to jump into, I know you're doing, you're up to some cool things. I've been following yeah. kind of just like, your Instagram, seeing what uh, you're doing, maybe shed some light in on kind of uh, what you got cooking. Would love to hear more about it. And also like maybe some of the reasons why you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so um, finally, this was an idea I kicked around probably a couple of years ago. Uh, So we had moved down to Wilmington, North Carolina, and I left my job and kind of been doing this full time. And it kicked around the idea of like, well, maybe I should go brick and mortar didn't know if I really wanted to be married to a store at that time. And then kind of COVID hit, uh, we end up having, uh, you know, our daughter who's now two. Um, and so a lot of dynamics in play. I was like, probably not the best time to open a store right now, you know? Um, so we didn't, but, um, you know, one thing I think as I was kind of watching what was happening to the market say over the last, let's say six to nine months, um, I actually got more excited about a store with prices coming back in. I felt like some of the stuff that had gotten so uh, unobtainable, um, such a tough hobby for kids, you know, because everybody was buying everything as an investment, sealing, sealed wax, uh, you know, singles, that it became really hard for kids, you know, but then as prices came in, I'm like, you know, some of this stuff is getting to become more palatable now. And Wilmington is a small city, uh, you know, by the beach. And so it's like, it's definitely a local vibe to it. Um, and so like, I know whatever I do, it has to be appealing to local community, uh, family, kids, and stuff. I have kids 13, 11, and two. And, and so it's a lot of multi-pronged effects. You know, I remember being a kid around my kid's age, going into the card shop, spending hours, like, you know, and being guys there, like I would just, you know, my parents would drop me off. I'd hang out, go through boxes, watch people open packs. And they kind of took me in as like a child there, you know, but it ended up being my first job when I was in high school, da, 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 da. So I just remember how many good times and how much I learned just about business and things at the card shop. And I look at, I was looking at like, you know, what kids are doing these days, technology, phone. I was like, well, maybe I could create that experience for some other kids you know, and I look at guys like Ryan at RBI Crew, uh, Ryan at Card Collector 2, you know, Andy at Indie Card Exchange, and I see these communities and just these, these experiences they've now created for like their local customer base. And I'd really love to bring that kind of feeling to Wilmington, you know, and just have like, so I want the shop to be a shop, you know, so it will definitely be a sports cards and memorabilia store that we're building locally here. We're under construction right now. But I also want it to be a hangout. You know what I mean? I want it to be where, you know, dads don't dread bringing their kids up there on a weekend to look at cards. You know, there's going to be a section for dads where they can chill, watch the games on big screen TVs, you know, arcade games set up, you know, just a real experience. And I want to have stuff, you know, 
as you know, a lot of stuff I do is higher end stuff or has been over the last few years. It's really designed for a different customer base. So there will be some stuff that's higher end, but not a lot of higher end stuff. Uh, a lot of it will be geared towards families, kids, you know, the meat and potatoes, you know, and I'm really trying to handcraft and curate it that I want to have like the prison rookie PSA 10, but I'm also like hunting for really cool stuff that you don't see every day. So when you come in the showcase, it doesn't look like every other card shop that maybe you walk into, uh, you know, in America, I want to have really cool things there to like, be like, wow, like people feel good about when they come in, they just like, even if they can't buy it, they just like to look at it, and see it, and feel the atmosphere of the store. So that's the vibe I'm going to want to have a place where my kids can work. You know, I know they're safe and provide a cool atmosphere for them. Uh, we they share some of the joys of the hobby um, with me. They love going to shows. I try to teach them how to buy, how to sell, how to, you know, uh, you know, maybe you started, maybe you want that $300 card, but maybe you only have $50. So you buy this card for 30, then maybe you can sell, sell it later for 60. Then you buy another card that's worth 80. So you get a good deal on a show, sell it for, sell it, you know, you buy it for 60, sell it for, you know, 80 online. So just working with them and teaching them some life skills through it as well. So it's really all encompassing. Yes, it's a business. I hope it does well financially, but it's a lot more than that. I want to provide community and I want to provide a kind of a place that I can bond with my family, bond with my kids, bond with fam uh, friends, and just really create a kind of a little hub for uh, the sports cards and memorabilia hobby in Wilmington. I love how you described like this uh, in, in Port City Collectibles, correct? Port City Sports Collectibles, yes. Port City Sports Collectibles. Uh, I love your mentality on just like, I want to create this space for the community and for it to be for, I read just like the common man coming in, wants to get involved with cards. Yeah. And I love like the segment, like, so the segmentation is like, all right, anybody can walk into the store, get started in the hobby, have fun. But then you've alluded to, which we're going to talk about here in a second, but just like high end is the, the area that you current, that you spend a lot of time in. So is your thoughts that like, there are only so many high end collectors and we have online platforms right now that already exist that can connect the cards that I have with the people who are interested in those cards so I don't want to optimize like a, a brick and mortar experience around that. That's already happening online. I want to create something different. That's more like community oriented, try to get people started with the hobby, have conversations, that sort of thing, like a separation between maybe like segments of the market and what you're building with the store is more for anybody. Whereas like you, what you're doing on with high end is already happening with through other platforms that have like mastered connecting cards with high-end buyers over a long period of time. Yeah. I mean, you know, how many, how many people are walking in off the street ready to drop 25 grand on a car That's in your store, right? There's not, I mean, there's not a lot, you know, so, um, you know, I definitely feel, you know, uh, you know, I've been, you know, my main platform over the past few years has been exquisite sports collectibles. And, you know, I, when people ask me like, well, how do you do it? And I, you know, I always describe, I was like, you know, what I do is more boutique feeling, you know? Mm. So it's like very specific kind of high-end stuff and it's not for everybody. And, um, you know, I don't really want to have that stuff in the store. I think it probably creates more problem than brings good because, you know, then you, you know, open yourself up to people knowing you have that type of stuff in your business and all that kind of stuff, you know? So that stuff will probably, you know, a lot of all my high-end stuff pretty much stays vaulted, um, you know, and, and then I use the numerous platforms that are available to me online. 
sometimes fixed marketplace, sometimes auction. It just kind of depends on how I'm feeling at the time or, or what, how quickly I want to liquidate or, you know, how hot the player is. Um, so yeah, this will not have a lot of those cards. You know, I may, you know, some things I've kicked around is like having like a, um, like maybe one of those electric frames up there where it's kind of like flipping through some of the cards, you mm-hmm. know, available on like an online portal somewhere, but none of that stuff will be held within the store. Yeah. It's definitely going to be more, you know, blue collar type, not necessarily blue car. Cause even some of the cheaper, you know, we see it as cheap. It's still, right. you know, dropping two, $300 on a box of cars is not cheap, you know? And that's kind of entry level almost these days, you know, and it was five or $600 like a year ago. But I definitely want to have more of the meat potatoes, you know, kind of try, trying to stay in a swap price point. You know, when I'm looking at singles right now, I'm really trying to stay in that 50 to $500 range, you know, and then having bargain box stuff for the kids, you know, a dollar to $5. I'll probably have like kids only display cases and boxes where it's like, I don't want all the adults coming and digging through it and picking all the good stuff out, you know, because they got, I want that to be for the kids to be able to have them have the experience and be able to come in and look through Joe Burrow cards and look through mm. Steph Curry cards and not have someone just come take them out and ship them to their COMC, you know? So it will definitely be, you know, it's definitely going to be set up, you know, so all ages can enjoy. And we'll still have, you know, boxes of prisms. Yeah. I don't know how much like national treasures and immaculate and that kind of stuff. I just don't know if the market will be here for that, but I do think your Don Russes, your optic, your, Bowman Chrome, you know, your top flagship, stuff like that, I, I definitely think will do well. Um, and definitely, you know, I'm definitely looking for buying singles of the latest, all of the big names. Um, and we're definitely, and I'm also searching out to have some cool memorabilia available as well, both from a decoration aspect. So it'll be really cool, almost like you're coming into like a little mini museum with all the signed jerseys on the wall and photos, da da da, but it'll also be available for, for sale as well. So. I love it. I want to. I want to move over to maybe the uh, boutique arm of uh, the operation. Yeah. Uh, when I look at your page stories, I always, I always see um, cards that are up for auction, and it's never like here's twenty cards. It's always like here are like two or three really badass cards that are up for auction, and then it's always like you know every so often you'll post like. I just bought this card. I just acquired it. It's always like a super awesome, nice card that like, whether it's wrestling, NBA, whatever it is, like people probably desire. So I think like the way you buy and sell, like you're very intentional, or at least that's my observation of you. Um, And I'd love to understand because there's so much conversations, especially now on like auctions and narratives of people talking about this is what's really happening or this is what should be happening. And people are just spinning cycles, but I wanted to like give you an opportunity to shed some light on just like your own personal experience with maybe just like buying and selling through auction platforms over the last like six months or, or so often, like what are some observations you've made things you're seeing? Um, Cause I know you're someone who's in it regularly and want to shed some light on the topic. Yeah, there's uh, I mean, it's kind of like a mixed bag right now. I mean, I have sent some stuff, to auction that absolutely flopped. You know, I wasn't happy with the results. And I've sent some things that's done very well, you know, that got better than I expected. You know, I think one thing that I think will help kind of the space move along, and I know why people want to do it. You know, it's it's easy clickbait, it gets people fired up. You know, I keep, you know, everybody wants to compare what this card sold for the last time. 
what this car sold for for the last time or what it did a year ago or what something like it. And to me, all that stuff is basically irrelevant at this point. Like I don't, I don't even mm. care what it sold for then or there. Cause that's not the market we're in today. Um, you know, it, you know, I'm not going to live in the past. I know what stuff sold for and I know what stuff is selling for now, but one of the problem, I think a lot of collectors, investors, whatever you want to call people is, they focus, well, I paid $50,000 for this card. I got to get $50,000 back out of it. I can't take a loss. When in reality, it's probably a $30,000 card in today's market. But so they're sitting there holding this, this depreciated asset, right? So, and they're like bramming their head against the wall, still putting out at shows for 50 grand or whatever. Meanwhile, the whole rest of the market has moved down with that your same card. So like, if you don't like the card anymore, sell it, get the tax benefit of taking a loss on the item and go get yourself in this card that you feel better about. I mean, I don't sit there and try to ride everything back to even, you know, just like everybody else. I made some stuff looking, I sold, I bought some stuff looking back of, wow, it'd have been great if I had waited, but you know, at the time the market was only going straight up. So like, you know, it was, it was a much different feel. I think the market is gaining some support, maybe not at the ultra highest end, but definitely I like when I'm starting trying to buy these cards now for the stores, there's a ton of competition in that lower end market. And then when you go to the higher end market. Hey, Jameson, would you mind categorizing and just in, how are you viewing like lower end, like what is the price range and then higher end kind of area just so we can give some color for the listeners? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not that lower. I would say, I would say stuff a thousand dollars and under is doing really strong right now. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like at least agreed because um, I know when I'm going to bid for stuff, it's like, ugh. I always get to like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I feel like I always get to that bid where it's like the make it or break it bid. Well, like now it really doesn't make sense to buy this card for because yeah. now I got to turn around and put it in the store, and I don't want it to be like a bad deal for someone coming. Not that it's a bad deal because you know comps change all the time, but. It's just, it takes it from being, okay, well, I could buy it at this price. I could put it in the store. It makes sense. The local customer coming in, feeling like they're getting a good deal. Um, but there's just a lot of competition in that air, in that space right now, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And I should say not high end. I should say like ultra high end. So when you take mm-hmm. a look at like, let's say you look at like a Patrick Mahomes NTRPA, a Steph Curry NTRPA, a LeBron James NTRPA, it takes two to tango. So if you are missing one bidder, you know, if one guy is willing to pay 600000 but the second guy is only going to pay 300000 and you're at auction, the car's going to sell for three twenty five. Even though this guy like, well, if I got to pay up to six hundred grand, then I'm going to pay up to six hundred grand because I really want that car. But if someone's not coming along with the ride with them, then the car sells for three twenty five. So what's the value of the card? Is it three twenty five or is it six hundred? Because this guy would pay six hundred, you know? So it's just a hard space. And I think right now there's a lot of micro uh, macro economic stuff in play, especially in that high end market, you know, guys that are going to spend that type of money and girls that are going to spend a couple hundred dollars. They're not naive to banks collapsing, Fed printing a lot of money, housing market going down, interest rates going up. Um, they have a lot of money for specific reasons. They're probably pretty smart businessmen. So they may say, Listen, I can buy this card later when the macros and I'm gonna hold my cash right now. I know there's cards like I have like wanted in recent auctions. And at the end of the day, it's like I just value having my cash more right now. 
Mm. And so I don't bid on it, you know? So I think with everything, there's a, there's a give and a take. And I think just some of the auctions, some people I think are just waiting on the sidelines just to kind of make sure the market stabilized and taking a look at some of the macroeconomic picture out there and saying, I'll wait to things. I got a little bit better picture of what's happening over here before I'm going to jump back in on this ultra high end card. Yeah. I want to maybe hit on back on this act, like keeping consistent activity. Um, and you mentioned like taking losses, but like the value, like you've mentioned the tax write-offs, but then also like taking a loss and selling a card for less gives you funds that you can then go put into other cards that might be more attractive to the market or just might be more relevant for you at that moment in time. I think that's something just we don't talk about enough. It's like there, there is so, like collecting, buying, selling trade. It's a complete evolution. Stuff I collect now has changed than what I collect last year. And it's just constant motion. So maybe like share a little bit about how you get, how you've gotten to the mindset of like, you know what? Like it sucks that I took a loss on this card, but it's okay because I'm getting cash that I can go put it into something that I have a little more conviction around right now. Yeah. So when I look at, um, you know, the cards and, um, you know, some cards I do buy for PC and some, because I have been running this business, I buy for, you know, I'm buying, hoping it goes up, make a little money, buy some other cards, you know, but when I look at like, so when I, then when I take a look at what I have, like, in, in my vault, you know, and I'm like, okay, what is, why do I want to keep this card? You know, cause I don't have unlimited funds. I'm not uber wealthy. So there's, if I want to sometimes get new cards or if I feel like, wow, like I don't really know what the case for this card to gain in value over the mm-hmm. next year or two. It's not like my favorite card in my PC. Maybe I've acquired something different of that player along the way or something, you know, I think I can, live without this card. And so I'm going to sell it because I don't really, it's not, you know, we all get cards that we were really hot when we got it. We loved it. And then it just wanes and it doesn't make you a bad, you know, I think there's this narrative, like if you don't buy every card and keep it in your collection, you're a bad collector. You don't love the hobby. You're an investor. It's just not that way. It's just people don't have unlimited money. And so sometimes you have to make a decision. Like I just don't like this card that much anymore. And so there's other stuff I'd rather buy. And it can be from a, just a player perspective. It can be from an investment perspective. It can be just like, you know what? Like I have real life stuff going on and paying for my kids to go to this school is more important than, you know, having this shiny Mike, Mike Trout card sitting in an offsite vault somewhere that really makes me happy when I turn my computer on, you know? So I, I just, I hate to see some of like, I feel like sometimes the collector jumps too much on people selling their cards, but they don't really understand necessarily why people are selling Mm -hmm. their cards. And um, so anyway, uh, I don't know if I went off on a tangent there, but I I try to look at what's my story for keeping this card. What's my story for selling it, this card. And with the money, can I buy a card I like better? Can I put that money into better use? Do I know there's, do I want to just have money set aside in case I know there's this guy, he has this card, he may be putting it on the market. Do I want to be ready to pounce if it comes available? So I think there's all kinds of different reasons. I'll look personally like, you know, starting a shop. I didn't do a lot of wax. I didn't do a lot of those single cards. So I have sold some stuff in order to fund purchases for the shop. So I've been like, okay, like what in my PC do I really love? I just want to put it in the vault and like, 
not worry about it. So I kind of went through, I kind of prioritized that. And then like, what is stuff like I can sell and yeah, it's a cool car and I like it, but what would I, would I rather put that money into building this cool shop that ultimately is going to create a cool experience for a lot of collectors. And at the end of the day, that's going to be more exciting and bring more joy to me than just necessarily holding this really cool piece of cardboard at the time. So I think there's a give and take. It's kind of multidimensional, but those are just some of the things I think about. I love it. How would you get someone over the hump that, um, because I'm a believer in this big time of like taking equity out of your collection, sell, go put that money into something you want more. I think the struggle we have as collectors is people have a hard time letting go of stuff, even if it yeah. means they're going to get another card. Like you are constantly like moving through cards, upgrading, getting stuff you like more, selling. Like what what are maybe like some boxes that you'd recommend people check in order to get to that point where you can feel comfortable taking a card out, uh, especially if it's going to going towards another card that's up for auction with six days available and you want to be prepared to be able to buy it? Um, you know, I think you, you got to assess like, you know, the two assets or the two cards that you're, you know, which one do you like more? Obviously, you probably like that one on auction. It's the new shiny object. We all get that. I mean, we've all had that card where we get like, sometimes for me, the chase of the card is the funnest part. So I go, you know, I'm finding, trying to find this card. I'm trying to bid it, get it. And then like, I get the card in and I'm like, ah, like, Sometimes I'm disappointed. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling where you like buy something and you're a little bit disappointed oh, by yeah. like, oh yeah, yeah. well the, the hunt, the hunt was what I enjoyed. It wasn't necessarily the card itself. So, you know, I try to process through that. And then those cards are kind of the first ones that usually go because uh, they don't bring me as much joy. But I always like, and even when I'm like, so say what I'm felt like I'm looking to move is like, a higher item than what I'm looking to obtain. Mm. I also like to kind of like, I just moved a pretty good, uh, a pretty big card over the past week and it was a great deal. Uh, it was actually a, a big trade and I got a lot of great, I moved a big card and I got a lot of really cool stuff for the shop back, which which I wanted to do. But then I also got like one really cool card for my PC that was a lot less than the card, but it was like, I, I didn't feel like, Oh man, I just got, you know, I got rid of this card, but to me, I almost look at it was like, but I got another card for my PC, which was really cool, which I'm really happy about. And it's new. And I got all this stuff for the shop. So mm-hmm. I always try to like, if I know I'm like downgrading, like a bigger card, I'm like, well, what's something maybe like I can pick up that's less that can kind of fill the void. Like where I get one of my guys back, I get, you know, if I'm moving like big Kobe or big Curry, like could I get another one that's not quite so much and get it back into the PC and kind of fill that void? And then I still have all this other stuff, which I can liquidate into capital or is just straight capital that I can use to fund some other card coming up or some other project that I want to, or just kind of have the fun sitting on the sideline and wait. There's a lot of good buying opportunities right now. Uh, if you're patient, you know what I mean? And that's one thing I've had to learn to work on is like, don't just have to buy it because it's available right now. Like just mm. wait and be patient. Unless it's like, you know, a one-on-one that hasn't come up for like six or seven years. But even some of those we're seeing multiple times in auctions now, Mm -hmm. which is kind of crazy. But I kind of assess the player, assess the collector base for that player. And like, okay, if I don't pull the trigger now, could I never see this card for 10 years? Or is it one of these guys that is highly rotated that, listen, seems good, looks like a good price, but wait, be patient. Something else is going to come up and be better. 
And if you miss out, you miss out and you just kind of come to terms with that. So some good advice for the community before I let you get out here, I want to talk about what are some, what are some, uh, recent pickups or cards that you've got in your PC right now that are helping you get out of bed in the morning? Yeah. So I'll start with some wrestling and then we'll All right. I'll start with some wrestling stuff. So for the show, um, so unfortunately, you know, a lot of like the, like the immaculate stuff, a lot of it's redemption. So I'm still waiting, especially on mm. Roman, but this was a pretty cool win. I actually hit this in a break. I had the bloodline spot. So that's the uh, one-on-one patch. So it's not, the sickest patch, but it was a one-on-one Roman. I didn't have to buy. <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> you had that cool. one. <laughs> yeah, that one's been. I got a couple things sitting in a box. So um, these I haven't really shown. Well, I showed one on the podcast with Gelman. So um, this one was a buddy messaged me this. This was actually floating around the show, and he snagged it for me. I told him uh, this is the <sighs> Seth Rollins on card auto WWE logo. So that was a really cool one, dude. I have. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but uh, maybe it's the the organic babyface uh, transformation he's been on, but I've seen more interest in Seth Rollins cards than I can ever imagine. Yeah. Like, are you seeing the same thing right now? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of I know a lot of people want that card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely a lot of a lot of people. He's great. I mean, Seth is you know, in in many ways, you know, I feel like Seth is to the WWE kind of what like Kenny Omega is to AEW. Yeah, he's like. If you need that like banger match, like you don't even have to have a story. You just send Seth out so there good. and you let him do his thing, you know? Um, so yeah, now he's, he's, he's phenomenal. So I picked this other one too. This is Rhea, who's also super hot right now. <laughs> you know, hopefully she, she does the deal uh, at WrestleMania. And then this was like my speculative play for wrestling cards. It'll be the last wrestling card I show today. So you know, I'm interested to see what happens with this guy. I think we might see him on Monday Night Raw coming up soon. But I got the Braun Breaker 101. And to me, this <laughs> you is got all like the one of ones out of Immaculate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I made, I mean, I made it. I really like those cards. You know, the on, you know, Select had them, but they were sticker autos. These were on card autos. So uh, Roman was not in the set, which I was super disappointed mm. at. But there was definitely a few names I wanted to get. And uh, those were kind of three that checked the box. I really wanted the Carmelo Hayes too, but I kind of missed out on it. But uh, and this is another cool one too. The uh, the RVD uh, <laughs> Riddle Dual Auto. I just thought that was really cool, so I picked one of those up. I saw that on the checklist, then, but I hadn't I hadn't seen one yet. So I'm glad you own a copy. Yeah, yeah, sir. Then um, one. So I sold one of these. These were probably my two biggest pickups, uh, probably the year so far. So I sold one of these back in kind of the height. I did pretty well on it. Uh, I do have a couple other ones. They're just not as nice. Um, so to be able to fill the void back in and definitely at more today's prices than the price of last year, I was mm. able to get uh, the Steph Curry NTRPA 95. Uh, just a really nice patch. Um, and I was really looking for one to kind of, because the other one was kind of like my keeper card, like my PC. But, you know, an offer came in that was kind of like I couldn't really refuse it, you know call me a bad collector or whatever, but I was able to fill the void back in with this one. So I was really happy about that. And I'm not here to pump up your own cards, but when I think about iconic basketball cards of this era, that card is one of the top cards that come to my mind, not just because Steph Curry is one of the greatest players of all time, but there's something about that card. I don't know if it's because I've seen it online. I've seen it in magazines, but 
when I saw you post that card, I was like, man, what a card. Appreciate it. And this one I got, this is my like last big purchase. I posted online the other day. This was like, I saw it on auction and it just was nostalgic to me from the time of the era. Cause this is like, I'd been collecting as a kid. I kind of stopped around 0304. And this was like the time I really jumped back in like kind of full time. And uh, he was like, like Steph and him are my favorite players. And this car just brought back so many memories. And, you know, when you look, when I've talked about earlier about like cards and like, what is your opportunity to see this card again? This card had sold last year. I was able to get it for significantly less than what it sold for. And I'm just super happy. I, I think I put in my description, like, you know, when you, sometimes you buy a card and you get it in and you're like, oh, like it's not everything I thought. But then sometimes you get a card and then it's like even better than you like it made you even feel better. Like I think I was like um like perma grinning after I got it. Like I was just happy to have it. So I got this uh Kobe Bryant logo man auto. Kobe was like my favorite player uh as I was growing up and Steph is my favorite current player. Um so to get that Kobe, I just love the image. I just love like the simplicity. It's a cool design. There's just a little bit of foil kind of in the timeless treasures. But really, the attention goes to the logo man and to Kobe. Mm. And so I just liked that. It's got the Kobe kind of sticker that Panini put on all for verification. And it's a one-on-one. So that card was just really cool. So those will be going off to the vault here probably today or tomorrow. Just trying to enjoy them a little bit before I kiss them goodbye. Um, but uh, those are just my coolest pickups. And pretty much everything else I've been kind of focusing on the shop moving forward. Amazing. A couple of questions. Uh, thank you for sharing those cards. Uh, just incredible stuff. Couple qu- when is this, when is, when are your plans for the store opening? Do you have a, a go live date yet? Uh, I would love to be open in May. We'll see, you know, joys of construction permits and things like that. We got slowed down a little bit with some electrical work that we had to end up pulling some permits for that we weren't expecting, but they're supposed to be in there this week to do that. And then a lot of it is just, I've been doing other stuff in the background. A lot of will just be kind of how quickly everything goes after that. So I had originally hoped April. I don't think April is happening at this point. Probably more like May. I'd love to be kind of going by at least the middle of May, I would think. so. Awesome. Well, looking forward to the updates. Um, and then before yeah. I let you get out of here, Tribal Chief versus the American Nightmare for the undisputed WWE World Heavyweight Championship. We're throwing up our ones. I know you are. Like deep down, I yeah. love Co- oh. I, I I love Cody. But <laughs> I, there's when I meet another Roman guy, I immediately become. It's like yeah. it's like we're family. Yeah, what's sure. gonna what's gonna what's gonna happen? What's your prediction? How's it gonna go down? Man, I told you. You know, I think I've told. I've bounced back and forth. I have my reasons why Cody's not gonna win, and then I have my reasons that Cody will win. I think a lot of it is going to come down to what Roman wants to do behind the scenes. Does he want to step away for a while? But I'm going to go on record, say the greatest reign in modern wrestling will continue. Let's go. The tribal chief (laughs) (laughs) will reign. I just think they're going to get Cody a little more sympathy. I don't think he's, I don't think he's there yet. I think that, and now, don't get me wrong, there will be a point in the match where Cody has Roman's shoulders on the mat for three seconds. I'm almost sure of it. But I think, as I told you earlier, my pick, the Viper will make his return. RKO Cody in the middle of the ring. The Tribal Chief will get the win. And Cody and Randy Orton will be set on a feud to go through the summer. And that's how it'll play out. 
Sign me up. I'm all for it. Yeah. I will just say this. I'm just looking forward to a good WrestleMania, but I'm not ready for the. I know a lot of people. I am not ready for this, this, this reign to be over with. Put, sign me up for another two or three years. I'm all on board. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be weird, man. I, was, I don't know if it was you I was talking to or somebody else the other day, but like I, you almost can't even envision the WWE without Roman as the champ they you know that what is the expression like uh the title makes the wrestler or the wrestler makes the title like at this point i think roman almost makes the titles more so than the titles make roman like they are just synonymous with his name and it's just i mean who would have thought three years ago that we would have a champ that's been champion for almost three years but i mean what a run what storytelling um just you know he is the gimmick he lives the gimmick. I mean, he was made for this role. It's great that he finally found, they found the role for him because it's so believable. And I think that's mm-hmm. what makes it so great. Like just everything from the mannerisms to when he walks down to, you know, the entrance taking, you know, five minutes for him, you know, it's like you're in his world and he's allowing you to be a part of it right now. And everything goes at his pace. Um, and even like that match with Sammy, like, you know, the small things, you know, I know there's different styles of wrestling people like, and that's why they make different wrestling because different wrestling's for everyone, but just the, you know, the beauty of wrestling almost in that Sammy Zayn match was the beginning of the match where they didn't touch for like three or mm. four minutes. And Roman just understands how to let the crowd become part of the match. And it just draws you in that much more. And it's just, you know, sometimes when he just like, even the simplest, simplest things of taking that side headlock down and just letting the crowd breathe for a while and bring them back up and bring them back down. And, you know, to me, him and like Kenny Omega and Seth are like the three best wrestlers right now, but all have a different style. You know, Kenny's that just like foot on the gas, like a hundred miles an hour. Like you can't even breathe. Like you have to lay down after you watch the match. You know, Seth is just like, you know, he's the architect, you know, it's like this kind of a combo of both of those guys. I feel like he's got a little Kenny in him and he's got a little bit of Roman in him. And then Roman is just like, when you picture what your professional wrestling champion should look like, Mm -hmm. like there would be a picture of Roman Reigns next to it in the, in the dictionary. So. Well, we offered some good uh, buying, buying and selling advice. We shared some cool cards and, we also officially can call this episode a love letter to our tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Jameson, <laughs> Jameson thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Yeah, we man. will have to do it again. Happy WrestleMania. Always. Thank you too, buddy. Thanks for having me. Always enjoy my time with Jameson. We're fired up for WrestleMania. Two nights, baby. I'm going to order pizza. It'll be Detroit style. Get that buttery crust. Got to get this bag of chips out of my house. Too many unnecessary calories but that's what we do the hobby is an escape let's freaking go cheers to everyone out there watching mania if you are not happy collecting have a great weekend